Hi everybody, welcome to another episode of Spud Chat. Potato planting is well underway in Prince Edward Island and probably getting close to the end actually now. So today we're going to be talking a little bit about seed potatoes. Uh, talking specifically to Mary Kay Sonier, who's our seed potato coordinator here at the PEI Potato Board. Mary Kay is in charge of all of our seed programming and uh, seed topics here with the board, but also specifically oversees our uh, early generation seed farm up at Fox Island in Western PEI. We're gonna talk a little bit about uh, varieties. We're gonna talk a little bit about PVY management and just everything uh, that's maybe new and different, as well as some, some reminders about best practices when it comes to things like cleaning and disinfection and uh, working with your uh, working with your customers, your seed customers, that sort of thing. So we're just gonna have a nice little chat with Mary Kay, just looking ahead to the year, how things are how things are looking for the seed industry this year. As always, if you have any questions or anything you want to hear us talk about, you want to provide us with some feedback, uh, Ryan at peipotato.org. We're going to mention a few topics or a few resources that are available on our potato agronomy website. That's uh, at www.peipotatoagronomy.com. You can find lots of reports and presentations and all sorts of things on there, as well as back issues of the PEI Potato News, which we also talk about today. So without further ado, uh, we'll, we're going to talk to Mary Kay Sonier. On today's episode of Spud Chat, I'm talking to Mary Kay Sonier. Uh, Mary Kay uh, works with me here at the Potato Board, and she's the uh, seed coordinator for the Potato Board and uh, responsible for all things seed in the PEI potato industry. Thanks for joining me today, Mary Kay. No problem. Um, so what sort of things are going on in the in seed? I know that's a huge topic. <laughs> and so there's there's always lots going on, but uh, what are what are some of the things that uh, maybe are catching the most of your attention these days? Two two of the key things this year, Ryan, I would say that are always a constant are variety selection to, to meet the seed demand or what will be in demand next year. And also growers are always thinking about during the growing season is minimizing the potential for virus spread during the upcoming season. All right. So um, on varieties, you mentioned, I know the board has been uh, sponsoring variety trials for a number of years and there's lots of other variety trials that are going on. And we're seeing lots of change in some of the new varieties being grown, both for sort of processing and for table. Um, what are some of the varieties that you've been seeing or, or maybe that are being reflected in um, what's being grown at Fox Island or what you're seeing in the seed certification system? What what sort of varieties are really kind of catching up steam? Well, in the variety trial that the PI Potato Board sponsors as part of the National Research Cluster Project, we, we try to focus on varieties that are either dual purpose or suited for the fresh market just to avoid duplication of all the evaluation that the processing companies are doing. Um, so we have a new variety that we're growing at Fox Island. It will also be in our, has been in our trial before and will be in again. It's a, a red skinned variety with creamy flesh suitable for the fresh market. It came through the AFC breeding program, the federal breeding program. And it's one that the potato board actually has the rights to. So we just named it AAC Red Fox. 
And if growers are interested, that'll be in our trial this year, and there'll be a limited amount of seed available for 2022. We've also been looking at some entries from private variety agents. Parkland Seed Potatoes has had a variety called Excellency in our trial for, for this is going to be the second year. It's from Agrico in the Netherlands, has light yellow flesh and is suitable for fresh and processing. It weathered the drought really well last year, which, which is an important, important point for interest for local growers. Um, we're also testing a couple of varieties supplied by Real Potatoes from the Michigan State University Breeding Program that are suitable for the chipping industry called Mackinac and Manistee. They were in the trial in 2020 and we're looking at them again in 2021. And we're also looking at two relatively new fresh russet varieties called Labelle and Pomerel, which come from the Potato Variety Management Institute in Idaho and are handled by Pomme de Terre Laurentien in Quebec. Yeah, there's a lot going on there. And the Red Fox is kind of neat. I know we've been looking at it for a few years now, and it's it's kind of neat to have something come through the federal breeding program that looks like it's showing some promise and that we can have uh, some control over ourselves. Yeah, it's looking, we've had it in the trial for a number of years. We also had it when we were doing the climate trials, testing different varieties at different locations in the United States that mimic sort of global global climates. And it performed well in those trials. And that was what first caught our interest. So right. we've had it with a couple of growers testing it out. And, and we have some seed being multiplied at Fox Islands. Like I say, it's always great when growers can get their hands on some seed and yeah. and try it maybe next year in their own field. And see how it's it not goes. just hypothetical. Exactly. <laughs> and we have seen a lot of difference or a lot. So we've seen a lot of change or diversification in the varieties that are being grown by the processors. And, um, you know, they've been like Cavendish Farms and other companies do their own trials and that sort of thing. Um, we've seen a lot of growers having some having some success with new varieties like Mountain Gem. Um, I know one that uh, on the fresh side that some people are interested in is Caribou Russet. Are we growing uh, those at Fox Island? Yeah, some of those varieties, it takes time to build up a local supply. I know there's seed of those two varieties in particular have been brought into the province for commercial growers to grow for the processing and fresh industries. It takes a little while to build up production locally, but we ha we are growing both Mountain Gem and Caribou Russet at Fox Island, and we sold seed this spring to commercial growers, so that will be bulking up through the local system and um, so should be available. There was a bit available this year and there should be more local seed available next year. A real challenge of seed production with some of these new varieties is PDY. Both right. those varieties you mentioned are noted to be a little bit more susceptible to PDY. So that's a concern for seed growers as well. And that dovetails into very much the other thing that you mentioned off the top, which is virus control and uh, continually working on our best management practices and what we can do to control virus. I, there's been probably examples where there's been certain viruses. We've done a really good job of keeping down and keeping uh, from being a problem over the years. Um, but we still have some issues with PVY and PVY continues to change. The strains keep changing and uh, how they impact different varieties changes. So in terms of, you know, virus, what are some of the... 
One of the things I know that's a change this year is the uh, Elite Seed Crop Insurance Program. Can you tell us a little bit about the changes that have been made there? Sure. The, the big change in that program for this year is they've removed the mandatory dead-by dates in August that have been in place for early top kill right. for seed fields, for those fields to get the virus protection that was offered through the crop insurance program. And what they've done is remove the dead-by date and they've replaced that with a requirement for records showing a spray program targeted at minimizing virus spread through right. the season. Um, like you mentioned, Ryan, some of the some of the challenges we faced in the past, like potato leaf roll virus, which is spread later in the season and is spread by green peach aphids, which come in usually in August. And when the elite seed crop insurance program was first put in place, leaf roll was a big problem. So the early top kill was a big factor in controlling that virus. However, this change with crop insurance, it's kind of a recognition that PDY, which is now our main problem in seed potatoes, is spread by a wide variety of aphids and it can be spread much earlier in the season than leaf roll virus was. Right. Um, so on aphids, uh, we always know that every year ends up being a little different, like when they start and when they peak and what mix of varieties we see and intensity and all that sort of thing. Um, if there are growers that would are interested in participating in the aphid alert program uh, is the aphid alert program still looking for participating growers or how is that uh, program i know that's it's managed primarily by the province but you help out with it a bit in terms of helping to direct uh, yeah. some of that the programs um, we're seeing a little bit of change with that program this year we, we've before relied on growers who volunteered to maintain the traps and and who have been interested in in participating and also where we've had some staff to look after the traps. But this year, there's been changes with, with the province wanting to make sure the traps are spread out across the province. So um, if growers are interested, they can certainly contact Lorraine with the provincial government. But like I said, we're trying to ensure the traps are spread out, but growers are also available to access the information from the traps. It's distributed through the, the pest email that's sent out every week by the provincial department of agriculture and land right so that information the biggest the biggest thing with with aphid trapping information is unfortunately a lot of the times you're looking backwards yeah so in terms of a virus control practices to minimize virus spread you always have to be treating your seed as if there's a threat of virus spread, whether you see what the aphid numbers are doing or not. And some of the main recommendations are obviously planting the best quality seed you have access to. You know, 0 to 0.5% PVY is, is preferable for seed you hope to recertify. Early roguing to remove any plants with inoculum that could spread within the field. And then use of mineral oil sprays combined with use of insecticides starting really early in the season to reduce the potential for virus spread by aphids. I know at Fox Island we start and it's been recommended through research that you may want to start the mineral oil sprays as early as 30% as emergence. That seems really early, but there can be aphids around in late June and the yeah. plants are young and really susceptible to infection. So you know, the earlier we can get on, the better. Yeah, some of the earlier research I saw, and it was corroborating some stuff that's been going on in New Brunswick, was that, you know, the early season aphids have much higher potential to spread PBY than late season. So even though, even if the, there may be lots of aphids late in the season, but their ability to transmit 
PVY is way lower than even just a few aphids early in the season. And, and part of that seems to be just with the maturity of the plants. Right. As potato plants grow, they develop something called mature plant resistance yeah. to virus infection. And so when you have early in, the, early in the summer when the plants are growing really rapidly, so it's hard to keep them covered with oil and, and insecticide, and also they're just that much more susceptible to infection. So yeah, the early season seems to be a problem for PBY spread. And that's when, when measures such as oil sprays and insecticides are, are really important. I mentioned um, earlier too, we keep seeing changes or development in, you know, of different strains of PBY. So um, PBYN and PBYNO and PBYNTN, and there's a lot, there's, lots of variety of these necrotic uh, strains of PVY and they don't seem to affect all varieties the same and some of them show lesions and some of them don't. But one thing I think we've seen is that a lot of these strains, they're a little hard. They don't show up quite as much in symptomatically in the foliage. It's really variable by variety. Right. Some varieties PVYN will show up just as clearly as PVYO, but some varieties it, it, there's very few symptoms. There was a research project done, again, through the cluster project, looking at symptoms of the different strains in the different varieties, and that information is available online. And so people can go on and actually see pictures of the different varieties and infected with the different strains. What so the symptoms look like. That would yeah. give them a heads up where if, I, if they're roguing, what they're going to pick up. But it just comes back to... You always have to treat the seed field as if there's the potential for virus spread. And you have to be doing everything you can to minimize the virus spread, even if you don't know if there's a lot of aphids around. One thing uh, with, uh, I know myself, I remember lots of summers as a student at home on the farm, roving potatoes and going through, and it was a job I hated. Um, my Grandfather was great at it. We used to call him Eagle Eye, or at least that's what the uh, crop inspectors called him from CFIA. Um, if people are looking for, say, refreshers or training on roguing, what's, what sort of things do you suggest there in terms of, um, say, if people are bringing on new staff or they want to improve the, their roguing? We have we used to offer regular roving clinics here at the board in the summer when there was a lot of demand. There hasn't been a lot of demand in recent years, but sometimes I'll go out and do one-on-one -on -one training if, if someone has some new staff starting or a crew starting. The best training for roving is to work with an experienced rover and to actually get out in the field and, and to see the symptoms. You can look at all the PowerPoints or all the slides you want. It's just not the same as seeing it in the field. And if you can go to a field, if you are training someone new, of course, it's best to go to a field where you know there may be some symptoms to right. see. Because I know sometimes we have new people at our farm and, you know, will roll all day and not see anything. So it's really hard to feel that they're learning because they're not seeing what the symptoms are like. So sometimes I'll take them, you know, to, to say, just a commercial field right. where I know there may be symptoms just to take them in so they can say, oh, that's what it looks like and that's what I'm looking for. And the big thing, too, with with new rovers is just, just to let them know that they're looking for something different. Too many times, you know, people will look down at your field and down at your feet and pretty soon everything starts to look funny. Yeah. And you have to sort of look across the field and, and you're looking for something that sticks out and something that's a bit different from the, the healthy plants around it.
Yeah. But some people get an eye for it and some people, despite their best, their best intentions, just never get the eye for it. So yeah. it is, it is somewhat of a skill as well. So we've mentioned a few times uh, some of the PVY research that's been going on through the cluster over the last number of years. Um, a lot of that's been led by uh, Dr. Mitresh Singh over in New Brunswick. Um, you uh, you mentioned to me before that uh, there's actually you've got an article uh, reviewing some of that coming out in the next issue of the Potato News, right? Yeah, Dr. Singh and the, and the team over it over at the. Ag Certification Services Lab in New Brunswick, as well as the AFC Potato Research Center in Fredericton, have been doing doing some PDY research, and part of it supported through the National Cluster by PEI growers as well. Their latest research has confirmed previous findings that a combination of oil and insecticide sprays are better for virus control than oil alone or insecticides alone. And yeah, we have an article just as in the most recent issue of PI Potato News, and it should be be landing on growers' doorsteps in the next couple of days. And the Potato News can also be uh, downloaded on the Agronomy website too. So if anybody uh, wants to take a look at it, you can find copies of that there. Moving on to talking a little bit about sort of seed size. I know that's always a conversation with growers. There's been a lot. We've been doing some work on whole versus cut seed or improving seed cutting. And I have a couple of growers this year doing some field trials on just um, uh, planting their holes solved at one time and then planting their cut all at one time, that sort of thing. What do you, what sort of differences are you seeing in this, in that, that area? Well, for, for, for the production on Fox Island, for example, we do try to keep seeds on the smaller end with tighter spacing and earlier top kill. Some seasons, like last season with the drought, that just seemed to be a real challenge. We, with the dry weather, we had a low set and, and the tubers got bigger than we wanted for seed. So despite your best intentions, you don't always get the, the size you're aiming for. Um, and the other difficulty at the high generation level is the seed is so valuable, regardless of the size, you have to plant it all because mm-hmm. you can't afford to, to strip out the smalls and yeah. and just ship the large for, for fresh as you maybe can do at, at a lower, at E3 or E4 level of seed. Right. Um, we do have some customers who are, you know, want specific grades of seed, small. Some even would prefer larger. They want the little tiny ones stripped out so right. they don't have to do it at home. So it's really their their personal preference. We haven't seen a big demand for specific sizes at the present time. Like I know in Europe, they size it you know, 28 to 35 mil, 35 to 40 mil. And um, we haven't seen that kind of demand yet. We put in a new grading system a couple of years ago. So we are able to to grade to those type of size ranges. We grade into several size ranges for our own planting, just to make planting more efficient. Um, But certainly the ability is there to do it. Again, if the demand is there and also if growers wish to pay, there's an extra price with with, you know, grading to, to specific sizes like that. So we'll see how that develops over the next over the next couple of years with some of the work that's being done through AIM and just grower trials on what seed works best for right. their system. But if people, you know, if people are looking for, say they want all whole seed or they all want all single cut and whole seed and they want them sized out separately, yeah, there may be an extra cost for that, but then on their end, they may have, much lower cutting costs, or they may not. They may say, "I'm not going to put a fungicide on my 
Holsey or something like that. So the you know while it may be more cost to your seed grower, you may have that, that may enable you to save some money as a commercial grower. And it's sort of like what we're doing on our own farm too. It, it's not just you want only one range of seed size. You may be happy to plant two or three right. ranges, but it helps you to have them graded out ahead of time because then you may alter the spacing exactly. for that size range or you know you may alter alter things like that. It may make your planting more efficient. So you may you may take three size ranges mm-hmm. and just alter your, your spacing a little bit differently when you go to plant them in the field. Yeah, and or your planting date or whenever, you know, like, yeah, there's there's managing them a little bit differently based on the type of seed. And the, exactly. Yeah. Um, what are some other things that, um, you know, how, how was the year in terms of sort of getting your grading done and getting deliveries and um, working with growers? Like, how, how has that been this year? I know it was... We, we thought it was going to be an early spring and then it ended up being kind of a bit of a, a wait. And then, and then it was everybody's ready to go all at once. So how does that how did that work this year? Actually, with the with, you know, well, obviously we had a short crop last year. So actually made things, I would think, a little bit easier this year for the seed growers because their customers a lot of times had room to take seed earlier right. on. So it made actually the grading and shipping process a little bit a little bit easier this year. A lot of the complaints you hear from seed growers some years is people, it's just in time delivery. So they're, they're still grading when they actually want to get out planting. So that, that's always a challenge in the seed business. It seems to get yeah. a little bit later every year. So Right. And I know one topic that you talked about quite a bit this winter, and we talked about quite a bit in this office, was biosecurity with sort of the... You know, there was some BRR fines last year and there was a little bit of this worry about potato wart. And so uh, there was a webinar uh, that CHC sponsored on BRR and on cleaning and biosecurity. And it's available for anybody to watch. But what would be for you, like what are the two or three real key things for people to remember when it comes to cleaning and biosecurity. Yeah, we, we did a lot of promotion this year. And I will say from what we saw in terms of giving out disinfection books and disinfection slips and things like that, we really saw an uptake from the growers. I saw things on Twitter, like growers disinfecting between seed lots and yep. things like that. So, so that to me is really key. A lot it? of people put the sprayer bars on the cutters this year. Yeah, yeah. And, and also when you're moving, especially when you're moving seed and you're going between farms, like make sure the truck that's delivering your seed or that's picking seed up from your farm does have a disinfection slip and has been cleaned out and disinfected before it picks up seed. When you're cutting seed, yeah, the sprayer bars, but also, you know, a lot of it's just taking time is, you know, when you finish one seed lot and you're ready to go to the other one, even if you have the sprayer bars, still take the time to to clean up and clean up between your seed lots and things like that. So, you know, those are some of the keys. Really important, I think, moving from farm to farm and when you're getting seed lots in. And make sure you know the history of the farm, where you're buying your seed from, and making sure it has all the appropriate tests and and things like that are, are key as well. Yeah. Before I, before I wrap up, is there any other sort of real key messages that you think growers should know about this spring or this planting season as we're both dealing with this year's crop, but of course, looking ahead to next year's crop, you know, plant, getting that seed ready for next year's crop. Yeah, it's just, you know, always seed production is, seed growers deal with all the regular production issues that, that all potato growers deal with, be it soil health and plant health and pests and disease. 
but they also have the summers of busy time. All the practices to minimize virus spread basically take place during the growing season. So a lot of it's just all attention to detail, right? From the from the time you start to the, the time it goes into the bin. And 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 also, you know, working with working with customers trying to match up supply and demand. It's it's really challenging. Varieties are moving all over the place and something that's hot this year. If it doesn't do well last year, demand could dry up in a heartbeat. So I certainly, I certainly wouldn't discount the old standards yet, because sometimes I've seen varieties that oh they're they're really hot this year, and something goes wrong in the French fry line or in the packing plant, and all of a sudden next season you've got you've got seed that nobody wants. So right. so I wouldn't discount all the all the old standards just yet. And having a good relationship between the seed producers and the and their and their clients or their their customers, I think, can't be overemphasized too. I know we've talked about it a little bit before, and we've had some speakers before. But doing everything we can to sort of to if you're a seed producer, you know, fostering that relationship with your customers, and if you're a commercial, you know, grower, making sure that you're you know knowing where how your seeds being produced and all that sort of thing. Those are all all key. Yeah. So last question, Mary Kay, again, it's the question I ask everybody on Spud Chat that comes to talk to us. Do you have a favorite variety? The favorite variety I have to eat, I would say maybe surprising is Shepherdy, which is a processing potato. We don't get it very often and fresh, but I really like the flavor of it. Right. It's not my favorite, my most favorite variety to grow because like I said, it is virus susceptible and things like that, but it's my favorite one to eat. Yeah. I know a baked shepherdy potato is a really nice potato to eat. <laughs> yeah, and you have to know someone to get it because yeah. it's not something you get in the grocery store. No, so. exactly. Well, thanks a lot, a lot, Mary Kay. Thanks for taking a few minutes to talk to us on Spud Chat and uh, all the best for a great season up at Fox Island and, uh, and for all the seed growers out there. Thank you. Thanks, Mary Kay. Thank you.